0: be anxious for nothing and grateful for all things because that's, there's so many times when we can be negative and find the worst in situations but there's so much to be grateful for Olympic Channel Podcast
1: That was viral sensation gymnast Caitlin Ohashi, I'm Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. We find the very best people to talk to about the biggest Olympic talking points every single week. If you love the Olympics, subscribe now, wherever you find your podcasts. Olympic Olympic Channel Channel podcast. Now, you might remember, before the gymnastics season started, we went to UCLA and spoke to Madison Koshin and Jordan Weber. Dig it out, if you haven't already had a listen. And so, as the US college season comes to a close, we thought we would head back to speak to two of the most influential women in that team who are both leaving at the end of this year. Gymnast, Caitlin Ohashi, and the legendary coach, Valerie Condos field a.k.a. Miss Val. So let's start with Caitlin. Imagine getting home from being out with your friends and you had 50,000 more followers on social media. Why? Well, that's because the video of her doing her perfect 10 routine was going viral. People like actress Gabrielle Union and singer Janet Jackson were sharing the video. It went on to clock 43 million hits on twitter and 36 million on youtube and that's not even counting the countless clips that people started sharing and clipping up on instagram literally insane to give you an idea just how great the performance actually was someone commented underneath the youtube video someone called the cops she just killed all of the competition but one of the reasons people have connected so well with ohashi is because of her story she was supposed to be The next big thing. That's before Simone Biles turned up. But instead of bitterness, Caitlin is still in touch with Biles. Scott Bregman spoke to her about her friendship with Simone and her biggest life lesson from legendary coach Miss Val. But they started off with what happened that day the day her phone totally
0: blew up. Olympic Channel Podcast. It was kind of crazy because I didn't really realize it was happening so I was like ice skating and my phone kept going off and I was like like trying to put it away (laughs) and then I went home and I had gone up 50,000 followers and I was like this is weird and like people were sending me screenshots um, of like famous people (laughs) tweeting me or like reposting it and so at first it was kind of just like a shock because I didn't realize that it would I never thought that it would go to that level or even like that soon go viral because it was the second meet of the season. Whereas last year it took until Pac-12s to get anywhere. So yeah, it was kind of crazy.
2: So what's been the hardest part about performing that routine?
0: Just clapping on beat. It's it's like the worst thing for me for some reason. Like I can never get (laughs) on the perfect timing.
2: Yeah, and you talked about like, you want to do something joyful. And I think that obviously, comes through and is, has been a big reason why people have connected to it. But what do you think is the reason that people have really honed in on it?
0: Yeah, I would say joy has like, probably the biggest part to do with it. And the fact that gymnastics has kind of been in this negative area for a while. So seeing that, and it's not the Olympics, cause I feel like typically only people watch gymnastics when it is the Olympics. So they get to see like, Character come out, and that's something that was people were drawn to.
2: Yeah. What has been your favorite reaction? Your favorite tweet uh, that you've gotten in response?
0: Um. Oh, that's hard. Okay. Gabrielle Union was super sweet, and she like called me her woman crush Wednesday, and was just talking about how like how empowering I've been. Um, And so I thought that was awesome. Janet Jackson and. Uh, yeah, those were really cool.
2: Yeah. And you sort of talked about uh, Gabrielle Union, I think, talking about how empowering you've been. What made you make that decision to when you get these opportunities to be on Good Morning America or, you know, be in Rolling Stone to use that platform? You could have just talked about your love of gymnastics or, you know, whatever you wanted, but you've obviously decided to talk about body image and a lot of things that are Empowering for women. What was behind that choice?
0: I've been kind of setting myself up for the person I want to be after gymnastics So I like to focus on being more than a gymnast and I think that's also helped me like inside of the gym as well But as I feel like I've been using my platform for a while or trying to I just haven't had like the audience Necessarily for it. So as soon as interviews started popping up, it's it was really amazing because They wanted to hear more about gymnastics, so none of it has been strictly gymnastics-focused. So I've been able to use my platform and everything that I've been setting, like, the person I want to be. So I've been able to share that.
2: You've talked a lot about body image, both with your weight and with uh, the skin disease. You have, like, the blog posts about it. How did you come to, like, accept that, and and maybe what advice do you have for other young women?
0: Um, In terms of, like... Bodies, I think they're all trends, so you can never have the perfect body and no one ever will. So I think accepting that and kind of realizing that one person's going to think you're beautiful and someone else is not. And it's all, it's all opinion based. So the only person that you have to worry about is how you feel about yourself. Um, and my skin thing, like I've had for now over 10 years and they said it would go away within three. And now it's just like multiplied. Um, the worst thing I get or like is having to answer cause I don't even know what it is. Like I'm like granuloma annulae or like whatever that means. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like if I had a choice to like get rid of it or not, I feel like it almost like, it's kind of like an extra little flavor to me. So I'm like, kind of like it. And for anyone that d- has a hard time, like accepting themselves, I would say like, you know, it is a constant process. Like there's some days when you're in a feel gray and some days you're not, but like, Always realizing that you're the only person that has your back is something that I've learned to accept and like love.
2: Yeah. And we've heard so many people that have been in your shoes as a like, high level elite gymnast come to college and say, I found like a new love for the sport. So tell me about the differences in approach between college and elite gymnastics
0: would say the atmosphere is a lot different. Um, you can even tell in the audience, like most of the time, someone really made a really good point that at elite competitions, it seems like everyone's scared to death of the person messing up. Whereas in college, it's kind of like, you just want them to succeed. And like, whatever that means, like, I think when you fall, like you see here, the audience just clap for you when you get up and it just shows like how much support is behind you and that's something that's so big and you have that in your teammates too in college versus elite gymnastics where it's kind of more individualized and your coaches are for the most part setting you up for the rest of your life not just the now the four years that you have in college.
2: So obviously you've been at the top levels in elite and you've been in the top levels of college like what do you think elite gymnastics, having been involved in both, can take from college gymnastics to maybe change? There's been a lot of talk about changing the culture. What do you think elite gymnastics can take from collegiate?
0: I think realizing that you don't have to get rid of joy in order to have results and the fun, and like you can see Simone's a perfect example of she literally had, it looks like she always has a blast. And like, I know when we were elite, like it wasn't the funnest of times, but like we always had so much fun together and she's such a happy person naturally, like, and she's an insane gymnast. So I think taking that away and understanding that we do make mistakes and coaches, like I wish there were more, there's more communication between athletes and coaches and parents. And it was more unison.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about Simone a little bit because I remember you guys when 2013 and and before that. Uh, How did you first, what's your first memory of Simone and how did you guys become friends?
0: My very first memory was in 2009, I believe. No, no, no. It was in level nine at Westerns and she was this little girl that was like I remember watching her do her straddle back on bars and she would flow in the air for like 10 seconds before she reached the low bar and I was just like like I was short but she was so short um and then when she made elite we were at championships in 2011 probably and she was like my goal is to make national team next year and like we were all like really that's (laughs) that's your goal we were like okay good luck we did not want to say anything and then the next year she came back and just like beat everyone (laughs) we were like okay never mind (laughs) because we had no idea we didn't think she was gonna be able to make it she fell like three times on bars and gets down and she was like I made my tokachiv that's all she cared about (laughs) so it's just it's amazing to see how much she's grown as a person in the sport and like outside
2: yeah. And I even remember you guys maybe had a shared Instagram account or something. Is that right? Double Trouble? Or is it just the hashtag you used a like? We
0: always use the hashtag Double Trouble, but there was a, someone made us an Instagram account for a little.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. But, um, so have you guys stayed in touch? Like, like when have you, when was last year?
0: Uh, I probably saw her last year when she was out in LA for Dancing with the Stars. Um, and yeah, we've stayed in touch. I think when, When I got injured and kind of went in this slump, Simone was like so key in pulling me out because she was constantly there for me and like I tried pushing her aside and like, cause I was like, ugh, like I didn't want to have to like, as selfish as that is. like I couldn't do it anymore so I didn't want to see it. And she continued like encouraging me and being there for me and kind of dragged me out of it. And she's always been an amazing friend since so yeah we stay in touch and facetime from time to time like text and yeah Yeah.
2: what has it been like to watch her go out and just dominate for so long it's
0: it's so insane at first i was like let other people win like come on simone and then i was like no actually you have to go it's too easy for you to not so like but um yeah i know she's or like she i don't know it's just crazy to see how amazing she's been and like it's, it's like almost like she's in like not human.
2: <laughs> We're getting close to NCAA championships. You guys are defending national champions. Um, how has that or has that pressure changed the outlook your day to
0: day out training? Um, I think we've just learned through season what we wanna work on and like what takeaways we have had from the past couple meets and so implementing that into our workouts and just being more intentional with every turn we take but other than that the pressures it's kind of like for me personally i like to take things one day at a time and like one competition at a time so not getting too ahead of myself and thinking about nationals because this is this is my last year and i want to soak every single moment in
2: and so um it's miss val's last year miss val's been the coach here for almost 30, almost head coach for almost 30 years, I think, but been here for 36 seasons, I think. Um, what has she, she's talked a lot about what she's, what you've meant to her, What is what has she meant to you?
0: She's been my rock the whole time I've been here. Um, from the time that I came in and I was a rebel and she was trying to kind of find her, or like, create trust between the two of us and also not overstep anything because I was so fragile coming in as a freshman and she learned how to back off but still be there for me and coach me into a woman versus a gymnast. Um, I think she's literally like she's definitely my second mom (laughs) and um, honestly like such a good friend to me too. Like if I have anything, like I can come to her and whether it's something embarrassing and personal or something about gymnastics, she's always, always been there.
2: Can you name like the number one thing you say that you've taken from her, like the number one lesson?
0: Life is a series of choices by which the choices you make dictate the life you live. (laughs) So that's something she always says to us and also her quote like be anxious for nothing and grateful for all things because there's so many times when we can be negative and find the worst in situations, but there's so much to be grateful for and really understanding that every thought starts with us and like the way we are programmed and we can flip a thought within a second. So why like dwell on all these negatives when you can flip it just like that.
2: And you kind of talked about it, but You've, your career as a gymnast has been long, but it's coming to a, a close soon. Um, how has she helped you kind of prepare for that transition and what's next for Caitlin Ohashi?
0: She's been preparing me, I feel like for a really long time since I like walked onto campus. And that's what she kind of, that's what makes her different from so many coaches because she does it with all her athletes. And, you know, getting me to understand that that like gymnastics isn't what defines me and so I've kind of she kind of got me into TED talks which got me like starting about or like started thinking about my future and what I'm passionate about and what I'm not and so I would say writing is something that I love to do and like I've gotten really into poetry so I'm trying to right now I've been writing a lot of about things that like are close to my heart and trying to get into photography to create images that reflect the poems and hopefully a couple books in the future. I wanna do speaking engagements. Um, she's all about performance rights and she's a dancer. So I'm trying to get on dancing with the stars in the fall. Um, and yeah, just kind of riding the wave. I have an internship lined up with Players Tribune for whenever my schedule kind of calms down. Yeah, so that's the future. <laughs> Olympic Channel podcast.
1: Now, there are few people with the amount of respect around the gymnastics community quite like Valerie Kondos Field. Miss Val recruited Simone Biles and is a seven time NCAA champion with the UCLA gymnastics team. But she started life off as a ballet dancer and nearly quit her job in the first two years she was in charge. We read a book and we thought there was a lot to learn from her coaching philosophy. We spoke to her about her decision to retire and the future of gymnastics in America. But we started with the reasoning behind why she's written a book. Olympic Channel Podcast.
3: 4 years ago when I got breast cancer, I had this stark realization that we all have an expiration date, we just don't know when ours is. And I figured at that point, why do I need to wait to retire to start on my bucket list? And I just figured I would ditch the bucket and just start on the list. And one of the things was I always wanted to write a book. And I never felt like I had anything to say that hadn't already been said. And one of my friends said to me, Abby Shapiro, said, You know, anything that is really truthful has been passed down since the dawn of man, but we need new people in our generation to put it in our vernacular so that it really hits home with us. So I said, okay, I'll write a book. The hardest part of the book was feeling that I had something that would be worthwhile for anyone to read. And about four months before we handed in the final project or the final draft, I... Uh, called Coop, my co-author, and I just said, I can't write this book. And he said, why? And I said, because people are going to expect all this wisdom from the seven-time national championship coach. And they're going to read this, and they're going to say, this lady's a total whack job. And he said very seriously, he says, no, Miss Val, you are a whack job. That's why you need to write the book, because you give us all permission just to be ourselves. And so once he said that, I just shed any insecurities that I had of what I had to say may not be important to anyone. And I just thought if somebody finds some nugget of wisdom in there that they can use to help them lead a better life, then the process was was worthwhile.
1: So uh, what would you say is your coaching philosophy?
3: (sighs) I just really feel that there's two ways to look at athletics. One is win at all costs. And it's, you do whatever it takes to win. And if you don't win, then you have failed. And the other way of looking at athletics is, oh my gosh, it's such a great venue to learn really, really, really tough life lessons. And as long as you can go to bed at night and have some quiet time and go back over your day and say, I did a good job today and go through everything all the goals you had for yourself and the integrity and the intention that you put towards those goals. If you can say, I did a good job. And if you can chalk, chalk up more days like that during the course of a year than not, then you have had success. And it's really important in life to be process-oriented and not goal-oriented. Because on that, any, any given day, you don't know what's gonna happen. You know, and including being a sport like ours that is so subjective. You don't know what those judges are going through on that given day. You cannot base your self-worth and your career and your feeling of success on one day.
1: What would you say is your favorite part of the book?
3: I don't think there's one section that is my favorite part. But the last time I read it, I hadn't read it for about a month. And prior to that, when you're writing a book, you get so sick of yourself. It's so nauseating. And I put it away for a while. And then when I was in New York, they gave me a paperback copy of it. So I read it on the plane on the way home. And I really liked it. It was the first time I liked it. And the thing I liked about it was even though There are sections that seem so elementary and simple and inane, like the importance of saying you're welcome to someone. The reason why I feel those things are so important and how I explain them really resonated with me as I was reading this again. And so every chapter has not just the, not just what I do. Like, I don't believe in perfection. I believe in getting 1% better every day, but why that's so important. And those little nuggets made me go, oh yeah, that's cool, through the whole book.
1: Uh, My favorite part is the bit where you almost quit in your second season. Could you talk a little bit about that moment?
3: When I first started off as a head coach, the only thing I knew was to mimic other coaches. And we did horribly. I, I was a horrible leader. And it really wasn't until I found Coach Wooden's definition of success, which is simply success is peace of mind, which is a direct result in you becoming the best that you are capable. I had the biggest aha moment of my life that I had been trying to be somebody else. And I realized also at that moment, when you try to be somebody else, you will always be a second rate them. And the worst part is it prevents you from being a first-rate you. And so I came back to my office. I was on my way to resign because I sucked at this job. And I went back to my office and I thought, what do I bring to the table? And so as a classical ballet dancer, 17 years, I knew how to work hard. I knew how to work through pain. I knew how to be in a, in a sport, in a profession that is body-based. I knew about body shaming issues. I knew about disordered eating, eating disorders. I knew what it was like to be a woman going through puberty and having to get into a leotard. And most of all, I knew how to prepare well enough emotionally, mentally, and physically to be prepared as I'm standing in the wings to be calm and confident. And I knew that looking at our student athletes they're waiting in the wings standing there waiting for the judge to salute them i knew i could prepare them to be calm and confident before they saluted the judge i had to hire really great coaches to teach them the actual gymnastics part of the sport of gymnastics but the rest of it i could do and once i started being true to myself it was really cool i remember having student athletes come up to me and saying you're finally being a leader worth following. And another one said, you're finally being authentic and true to you. And it's so much more fun than you trying pretending to be somebody else. And that's when that, that authenticity turned into trust. And that trust, because we're at UCLA and we can recruit talent, turned into championships.
1: But you are actually retiring now. Um, why now?
3: Uh, two years ago, I had a amazing chat with my athletic director and he asked me to stay for five years and I knew that would be too long and we settled on three. And so I've had a three-year plan. Um, and I, winning is really, really fun. Okay. Being on the competition floor and battling it out is really fun fun. But that's not the thing that I enjoy the most about this job. It's the relationships. It's the relationships, not just with the athletes, but with the coaches. And so I have prepared myself to retire after April, 2019. Had I retired after our last championship, then it would have just been all about winning championships. And that's not what I'm about.
1: So this is a really big question, but what would you say is, where, where does USA Gymnastics go from here?
3: I honestly feel that we're in a great place with, for USA Gymnastics to take a new path forward. Um, you know, people say, would you put your daughter in gymnastics right now? And I say, heck yeah, because it's all been exposed it's, you know, we're putting things in place slowly, but we're putting things in place where your children are, will be protected. Um, because you've, you, you can't go wrong with the product. The product are amazing young men and women in one of the most difficult and spectacular sports in the world. And that's why we're the number one ticket that sells out every olympic games and you take all the different disciplines it's like who wouldn't want to just take that and and start putting really great people in key positions and let's start moving forward together i do feel that there needs to be some conflict resolution and discussion we need to have we need to bring in not just all of the survivors, but all the national team members. Need to come together, be family, have a voice, and kumbaya. We need to speak very diligently with the old guard, the elite coaches that have been doing this for 30 years and have been very successful and been responsible for the medals. You know, they, they have the history and, and the knowledge of how to train great gymnastics. And then we need somebody to be able to come in, hopefully that national team coach, that will make it a comprehensive program. So where we are educating our coaches of all levels and the parents about how to help develop strong boys and girls into these superheroes. And that's with nutrition and mindfulness and mental imagery and the psychology behind it and all the stuff that starts from the inside out i feel like we need to start coaching our our young people from the inside out and not just building strong muscles and we've got every resource we need in this country to do it and we can lead the world in showing how to do it
1: and you see with simone biles especially i mean this it's a big distraction isn't it What's it been like to see the U.S. team still putting it down when it matters, despite everything else that's going on in the background?
3: I feel like the sport innately develops resiliency. And so you see athletes like Simone and Morgan and Trinity and and all these amazing athletes that we have right now. And they're going through a lot. It's like they're going through a divorce of their parents. And yet they're so resilient and steadfast to their goals and their dreams. I have heard a lot of them say, you know, what about us? What is our Olympics experience going to be like? And that's just heartbreaking. But they're able to push forward because of what they learn in the sport. And that's why I think the sport is so beautiful. You know, people say, I don't know if they say it jokingly or not, but that I hate gymnastics. And that is so far from the truth. Um, I don't enjoy the fact that it's not a competitive office and defense type of like competitive sport, but the sport itself, I don't believe there's another sport that teaches this resiliency and inner strength and focus and determination to the level that gymnastics does. Because in our sport, there's nobody to pass the ball to. You've got to figure out how to finish with confidence and poise. And what a great life lesson, right? So, um, my hats off to these our national team right now. They really are. They will go down in history as with as much impact as the survivors have. Because our survivors are making the change, and these are the ones that are keeping the foundation strong and saying, well, USA Gymnastics, American Gymnastics, is not going to fall on our watch. We're still going to represent, like we always have. You guys figure out the muck. We're going to do our job. And they're doing it beautifully. Olympic Olympic Channel Channel Podcast. Podcast.
1: Big thanks to Miss Val. Now, if you did like this podcast, then you should go and check out the one we did with John Orozco. Here's a quick clip.
3: Everyone makes fun of me because both times I made the Olympic team, I was like crying and, (laughs) you know, it's not popular for men to be emotional in America, especially black men.
1: At the time, we had a tweet from the wonderful Jessica O'Burn from the brilliant podcast Castick, And she said, I highly recommend this at Olympic Channel, is really letting athletes talk about issues and be free and honest. John Orozco, thank you for being so open and raw. I cried. I was so blown away at the time too. So get on that one. If you like this week, it's really worth your time. My big favour, if you like, this week is to take a screenshot and stick it on your Instagram story and mention Olympic Channel plus Kate Nohashi and Miss Val. That would be awesome. Remember, you can also at me or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Eddie Knowles with an I and an E as well. Five star reviews on the podcast app are always welcome and subscribe. We have got an excellent episode for you next week coming up. That's it for now. See you soon.
2: Think like an Olympian.